You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for May 16th, 2014. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside the non-terminating, non-repeating racism of Donald Sterling, it's The Professional Left with Drip Glass and Blue Gal. Donald Sterling, irrational number. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh, I think that's really all you have to say. Although there was a lot of irrationality this week. Yes, there was. There's something in the air. And and Donald Sterling, bless his heart, and Clive and Bundy and a couple of other events mm-hmm. uh, really kind of set me off in a very kind of thoughtful direction, a sort of internal auditing direction for me. Well, yeah, you were in a really bad mood yesterday. And that's I, another way of putting it. <laughs> I do think you had to kind of reassess based on the craziness that was surrounding everyone yeah uh where your time needs to be invested yeah and crazy uncle liberty sending you emails and you responding with a punch back every time Mm -hmm. was not working for you in terms of time management no well in terms of emotional energy management i realized some important things blue gal (laughs) i'm gonna share them with you hey actually going taking my wife out on a cheap date Cheap date was good. Cheap date was good last night. We had we have family visiting us. My stepdaughter from who lives in Sweden is visiting us this week, and so we put her up in a motel and she babysat for us in exchange last night and had a great time with her younger half siblings and they all love her and it was awesome and uh, so she had a great time and we got to go out yeah. and have a, a cheap dinner and it was fun to just sit across the table and not have. Kids or MSNBC <laughs> in yeah. front of us, <laughs> or or frankly crooks and liars, yeah, or, or anything, yeah, other, yeah, other all the stuff. all the all the blogs and all the uh, distraction of just just being together and talking. Yeah. We didn't even take podcast notes during that meal. That was no. pretty. That's amazing. Usually, when we sit down to meal together, we're making podcast notes. Just, so. We jot a couple things down. Yeah, but but, I, but it was bugging me, and uh, yeah, yeah, and getting out was good for both of us. It was. Yeah. So tell me what what conclusions you have come to. Well, I I, I dashed off the liberal serenity prayer, which I yes. posted at my site. Would you like to read that? Because I think it's quite wonderful. Oh, sure. My liberal serenity prayer, which is God grant me, which pissed off at least half of my readers, <laughs> uh, the serenity to cheerfully ignore wig nuts and purity trolls I cannot change. Purity trolls are just as bad. <laughs> they're far fewer, and they, they're really kind of marginal, and they, they yap a lot, but they don't do anything. But they really are just as just as bad, just as bad um, in, in the way that they will not engage on any level but the one issue that they're fanatical about. For them, I wish um, the Democrat Party is – Democratic Party is just as bad as Republicans. It's not a dime's worth of difference. I wish for you to come back in the next life as a poor woman in Mississippi. Who needs health care, who needs Planned Parenthood and can't get it. And as you are crying and trying to find some help out there because your Republican state government took all that away from you, as you are crying over all the shit the Republicans have stolen from you, deprived of you and sneer at you for needing in the first place, a helpful purity troll will come to you and say, yeah, but Tim Geithner. (laughs) <laughs> this is what I wish for you in the next life. Yeah. I also ask the courage to engage with people with whom I may disagree, but 
who haven't joined a fucking cult. Mm -hmm. I can mm -hmm. disagree with people, but really, if you're if you're locked, if you're that deeply locked in that you're not, you ain't budging no matter what the facts are, I have no time for you. Mm -hmm. And the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah. yeah. And that's the important part. Yep. Anyway, I thought I would share that. That's very good. But the thing, yeah, the thing about uh, Donald Sterling and Clive Bundy and um, other interactions I have with with conservatives, um, either personally or sort of across the Internet or what have you. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that really floors me, the thing that really stops me in my tracks is how utterly sincere they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're not kidding. Um, no, I mean, I, that was the thing that really struck me more than that Donald Sterling just kept on being who he was. Yeah. Was well, that, I, I'm so genuine about it. I really care. No, no one obviously fed this to him as a speech. This, no. was, this was from the heart. But he really <laughs> doesn't think he's a racist. No. And like George Costanza, if you, if you believe it, it's not a lie. Yeah. And he really doesn't believe. He is just so saturated by narcissistic feedback of how awesome he is mm -hmm. and how much he cares about those poor inferior people that he feeds and clothes um, <laughs> who are irresponsible and not able to take, you know, any responsibility. With Same thing with Clive Bundy. Clive Bundy, when he wants to tell you about the Negro, he's trying to get, impart some important information to you mm -hmm. because, you know, he has a real bead on those people that you might not have. <laughs> and uh, he just wants those to tell people. you about those how, how, you know, how he, he just feels sorry for them because they're so uh, childlike and irresponsible and unable to take care of themselves. And he, but he, and, and that's where the confusion comes from. He doesn't understand why people keep calling him racist because he's clearly not. He just knows he's superior to them mm -hmm. and wants to tell you why they are failing as a people. Well, and this is what we've been talking about on the on the race issue for quite some time, the difference between racism and white supremacy. It's an extraordinarily fine line, but white supremacists can go to bed at night saying, I'm not a racist. I have yeah. I, I, I don't mind if a black person comes into a restaurant. God bless him. You know, I'll be happy to pray for his mother or whatever. Uh -huh. But I'm better than he is, and he better not go into my White House, and he better not be my state representative, and he better not think better of himself to the point where he's equal to me because he's not. He's not. And that's white supremacy. And that and because God it's has just made it as that pernicious way. and it's more widespread, I think, yeah. these days than any other kind of racism in this country. Because that's what got Barack Obama so got them so riled up about him. Uh-huh was he's in the White House, and he is better than you. He's better yeah. educated than you. He's better spoken than you. He's calmer than you. His and wife, <laughs> His wife is Mooching Moochella. Yeah. Is better than you. Yeah, a better and, mother than yours. And, and, and this yeah. frantic effort to reverse engineer, you know, Michelle Obama is in favor of water, healthy food, healthy kids, exercise, getting girls back from Nigeria and soldiers' families. Yep. What in that portfolio of interests is actually controversial? Nothing. Okay. It's all good stuff. And yet, the minute she opens her mouth, Moochella did this, because, you know, mooching welfare queen. And that's what they call her. Mm -hmm. and, and yet the same person would look at you stunned, stunned to suggest that, that the words just came out of their mouth means they're racist. They're not racist. They just know that she's, she's a socialist, commie, you know, cell yeah. waiting in the White House to destroy. Like, Barack Obama has waited patiently for five years to grab your guns, but he's coming for him. <laughs> he is coming for him. Yeah. 
And the thing about that is, and this is the thing that just this. Yeah, you, I want to get back to you and your defeats feelings. Me. Yeah, yeah, because let's talk about me and my feelings. <laughs> the thing that I find so defeating about this is when I deal with these people, this sense of their their sense of despair that they get the fact that we're a divided country. They get the fact that we are at each other's throats. Their solution is, if only we could all come together and realize that Barack Obama is a dirty communist, then we could solve our problems. If only we could put all this division and finger pointing and ill will behind us and realize that the socialist commie liberals have taken over our government and our media and are trying to destroy this country, then we could all move on with an agenda of national unity. And you realize they really believe that. And there's nothing in the world you're going to tell them that's going to change their mind because their entire ideological metabolism is now made of lies. The whole thing, start to finish, it's like their bones are made of glass. Their, Their entire ideological metabolism is made of falsehoods, and they have to keep feeding it with other falsehoods. That's why they believe the same liars over and over and over and over and over again. It doesn't matter how many times they're proven wrong. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many times they look stupid or foolish because there's nobody around them who's going to call them stupid or foolish. But they believe those lies because they sincerely believe that the government is going to come for their guns. The government is going to shoot them. The government's going to throw them in a secret prison. Well, they also all... believe that 10 million people are going to show up for their American Spring yes. rally today. And my bet was on under 750. Yeah. And it, as in 750. I went way over. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, the time they it's can't a, count votes. They can't count in. They're all independents, by the way. Yeah, all of them are independents. I'm an independent. I'm not a Republican. But you got a bumper sticker that says Bush Cheney and Bush Bush, and then you've got bumper stickers going back to Nixon on your fucking truck. How how are you not a Republican? I'm an independent. Yeah. I'm a constitutional conservative independent. Don't call me Republican. <laughs> That's because Republicanism. You you shit all over it. You turned it into this horrid thing that everyone hates. So you ducked out on the tab. You ran away from paying for it. Part of your personal responsibility. So why were you in such a bad mood yesterday, though? It was just the um, the sense of engaging these people at all mm-hmm. is such a completely fucking useless exercise. Mm-hmm. It, it is so unrewarding and yields no results. And I look around, I see Tom Hartman talking to these people. I see Chris Hayes talking to these people. As if there's any place left in their worldview for you or me. And it doesn't matter what you say to them. They're not going to engage with you. They're not going to debate in any way that is uh, 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 fair or debate in any way that you recognize as debate. They're not going to de- they're not going to argue um, clearly or not. The clear is not the word. They're not going to argue in good faith. Right. Well, and that was the thing that you mentioned at dinner last night that made me think, aha, this is this is the futile exercise, futile exercise. And that is. When he, when Crazy Uncle Liberty emailed you and said, uh, essentially, we have to defeat the Kenyan usurper. I mean, he, it was, in so many words, it was, yeah. you know, Barack Obama is a socialist and the deficit is killing America. Right. And then you said, well, I don't agree with that. And his response was, well, then America is hopelessly divided. Right. <laughs> Right. Because you it's disagree your fault. with him. It's your fault. That, may, that means that there's just too much division in America. That's the and, problem. And, and that's sort of the other side of the coin of both sides, isn't it? Yeah. It's both sides do it, but America is hopelessly divided because you won't agree with me that Barack Obama is a gun-snatching socialist who wants to convert your children to Islam. Right, Benghazi, Benghazi. Then, 
Benghazi, Benghazi, yes. And 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 they will not. And however much you push or shove or drag or plead, you can't walk them back over the last two years, five years, twenty years of all the shit they've said and done. Say, because it is like an apocalypse cult where the world doesn't end on you know May first. They just recalculate and say, oh, I just I didn't forgot to carry the two. And they go right back to believing. And, you know, I listened to a little bit of Glenn Beck this morning and and it was the same patriot supply organization, you know, just not not, now. I'm not saying the world's going to come to an end, but hyperinflation and all these other terrible woes. And it's a good thing to have a bunker full of food and some seeds and a lot of guns in your face. And the SARS virus, the SARS virus is coming because two people got it. And so, yeah, you need to bunker yourself with copies of my book (laughs) line your bunker with copies of my book you're listening to the professional left podcast professionalleft.blogspot.com let's get to issue one issue one which is well it's everybody yeah it's donald sterling it's carl rove who Joan Walsh said has been demoted uh-huh. because this uh, Hillary Clinton is brain damaged thing. I think Carl Rove is brain damaged, but yeah. that's just me. Uh, he is having to spew his own lies. He can't put it off on someone else. He can't drop this out to some intern. Yeah, yeah. He has to actually go out, and, he's, and it turns out he's really terrible at this. Yeah, I yeah, mean, it's looks really, like, really bad. Yeah, he looks like the you know stuttering, sweaty, lying bag of shit that he has always been. But he's always had the – and this is, of course, the number two – this was the number two or three man in the White House for eight years. Yeah. And this lying douchebag who barely has a job on Fox News now actually has to go sow his own discord and lies, and it turns out he's terrible at it. And that was hat tip Joan Walsh for that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ann Coulter's picture of bring back our country uh-huh. <laughs> instead of bring back our girls. I think you had a – a version of that. Twitter came out with many, many versions of this. Uh, it's now turned into a meme. Uh-huh. Uh, I have no soul. Uh, <laughs> I, I lie for money, etc. Yeah. Mine, mine was Virginia Slims aren't for breakfast anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Honey. <laughs> she really looks pretty bad. She uh-huh. looks like a pretty heavy smoker. Uh, you had I had. What did you have oh, on yours? I'm dead inside. I'm dead inside. Yeah. <laughs> And yet, again, this is another person who will in no way be affected because the the next day, where did she find comfort and solace? Sean Hannity show. Oh, Sean Hannity. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Someone who desperately needs to be shot into the sun. (laughs) But never will be. Never will be. Nothing nothing will ever stick to Sean Hannity. And I'm I'm not going to mention her name just Uh because I don't have it in my notes, but we can all know her as the hog castrating Iowa candidate. Yes. She's just sure those WMDs are still in Iraq. Yeah, she said that. Yeah, she um, did. And she's, she's, a, she's a candidate, Republican candidate for office yeah, she is in great. Iowa. Uh-huh. Yeah. And she uh, she's pretty sure she has it based on secret information that you know, she couldn't share with anybody. <laughs> um, that is, you, there, there were WMD in Iraq. Yeah. And, and then the next day or the day after when someone with access to Google uh, <laughs> on her staff pointed out that, that's, that she's just full of it, that that's just bull, That's just, honey, I'm sure someone said, Sean Hannity is full of shit. Yeah. I know you listen to him all the time and do whatever Sean tells you to do because you're a sock puppet, you're a Republican sock puppet. But it turns out uh, there are really no dub and, and there really weren't. At no point any did anyone any find anywhere. And so she walked it back. So she walked it back and said, oh, what I meant to say was there were there were 
there there had been capacity for WMD in Iraq, which was not exactly a great mystery and had nothing to do with the predicate for war there in the first place. So again, another Republican lying liar who got caught lying and walked it back. But the thing is, I like Sarah Palin and um, vaccines and like Mitt Romney and not calling Benghazi a terrorist attack. These people really get all their news from newsbusters yeah. and from Weekly yeah. World News yeah. and from Fox. Yep, so they, yeah. they have no idea that they're lying because they have no capacity to understand that people like Sean Hannity are just lying douchebags who spew bullshit all the time. And they take this as gospel, which is fine until you get in front of a microphone and you say something that any idiot with a mouse can disprove. But being that you're a Republican, you would never bother to take the time to disprove it. So now she has to walk that back. And speaking of... Yeah, people who never walk back anything. Newt, no shame, Gingrich. Yeah. Uh, he he raised his head about the uh, Michael Sam kiss on ESPN uh-huh. and said that gays should be more tolerant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gays should be more tolerant of those people that didn't like the kiss. Yeah. Now, as you pointed out, uh, this... Uh, man kissed his partner on ESPN and apparently that caused the Antarctic ice sheet to collapse into the sea. Yeah. It's, it's weird how that happened. (laughs) Also it was during the draft. I mean, this is a case where unless you are a complete hardcore um, NFL junkie, which I am not, you would never have been watching this in the first place. So it became news. Well, And that it became news because of, of the kiss, (sighs) but also uh, I have to bring it back to, this guy is apparently, and I know nothing about sports, but apparently he's number one, number two in the country as far as college players and their success on the field. Mm-hmm. And he was number 249th in the draft. Mm-hmm. A person in his position with the success that he'd had who is not gay uh-huh. would have been in the top 20 in the draft. No problem. Uh-huh. Everyone who's written about this has said that. That this obviously, obviously, teams were discriminating against him because he was gay. Mm-hmm. They were refusing to draft him because he was gay. And that is getting missed in all of this talking about whether people who are in the majority in this country, straight society and straight media, mm-hmm. is uncomfortable with yeah. seeing him kiss his partner. That's icky. And you know what? If, What's if, icky is he was discriminated against 248 times yeah, yeah. by teams that could have chosen him and chose not to because of his sexual orientation. Yeah. That's what's icky. And so, uh, you know, people walk off the set of their morning lady lady chat show and then immediately are on Fox because she's thin and blonde and hey. has her panties in a twist over the gaze. So, of course, she can be on interviewed on Fox about it, you know. Just hike that skirt up. Right. That's all you got to do. Uh, so, yeah, it's not about the kiss. And and perhaps the kiss was to point out, yeah, this is for all you people who discriminated against me yeah. in the past week. Well, and I, I don't have anything to add to that. I think that, that sums up admirably. Other than I, for Newt Gingrich, all I can say is serial multiple adulterers should be more tolerant of those of us who don't cheat on our spouse. <laughs> And those of us who don't get blowjobs from our mistress in the front of our child's school in the yeah. car. Yeah. Newt. 
you know, be a little more tolerant of people who don't have oral sex in a vehicle with in front of their child's school. So with someone who's not their spouse. Who's, who's not their spouse and who they've cheated on their spouse with for six years in a row. Yes, but, okay. But we have, I mean, long-time listeners know that I have a thing called the Gingrich Rules, which are Newt Gingrich says something horrible or, or incredibly uh, ludicrous or just completely false. And then the clock starts. Mm-hmm. And 30 days after that, he's invited on Meet the Press. Yeah to rehabilitate his image or invited on this week, or in this case, given his own CNN show, because, hey, why wouldn't you give this defender of civilization and the greatest, smartest man in America, like Newt Gingrich, his own TV show? It it is one of these days when I get to heaven, (laughs) I'm going to be able to ask, who did Newt Gingrich see kill someone? Yeah. Whose hooker did he help bury? I'm absolutely convinced that he has photos of... An archangel with yeah. a dead hooker. <laughs> yeah. you know? Because there's no, there is by no measure any reason why Newt Gingrich, Gingrich yeah. should not be dancing for nickels on Lower yeah. Wecker Drive. Yep. Yeah. And yet he is not. And there is a reason for that. And that reason is forever, of course, uh, held back from us. Although I got to say the death spiral that Meet the Press is in the middle of, the ratings death spiral, mm-hmm. the the, num- the people who've, who've been fired or quit the people who now are rumoring about what a jackass David Gregory is. This bold strategy last week of increasing their ratings by not actually airing the show. <laughs> Genius. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna do soccer. There is clearly a problem there, and the problem is not one that they're willing to fix because it would involve actually asking hard questions about people they don't want to ask hard questions of. So off we go. One final uh, thing in our news and review section. Benghazi, Benghazi, Benghazi. Yeah. Uh, Carolee over at Crooks and Liars read my mind yeah. this week and suggested that Nancy Pelosi put Alan Grayson on the committee by himself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think that's a great idea. <laughs> and he will have he will have proxies for everyone else who was going to be on the committee. Oh, and just but just there... make a complete mockery of it from yeah. from the moment that it starts. All of this craziness this week is really a symptom of a slow news week. It really is. Post Mother's Day, they have nothing to talk about. And so. Well, can I just correct you there? Yeah. Not correct you, but correct that, that idea. Mm-hmm. A slow news day is a great time to talk about all the really important shit that exactly. never talked about. And that's that's the point. And I was very grateful that both Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow took time to talk about the death penalty. Yeah, exactly. And I hope that everyone we're, – we're not going to talk about the death penalty today. We have done that in past podcasts. And I do commend to our listeners to go back to the MSNBC website and look at the coverage that both Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow did on the death penalty this week. It was outstanding. Uh, but because it's a slow news week, that gives us an opportunity to talk about whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. Um, do you want to do uh, manufacturing first, or should we do Bible bitch first? Let's do Bible bitch first. All right. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my Bible bitch, and then you're going to talk a little bit about manufacturing today. Yeah, absolutely. Bible bitch. That's not scriptural. Uh I have some scripture to share. Oh, oh by the way, uh, the mega church down in Texas, is it? The, um, Joel Osteen's church. Yeah. Did you hear about this? No. Uh, Joel Osteen, many people know who Joel Osteen is. He's one of these big teeth uh, preacher televangelists. He smiles all the time. In Houston. He smiles constantly. Constantly. He's big smile. happy that you're there. And I'm, you know. Um, and, and you'll appreciate this because you're head usher of our church uh, at at the 930 service, Drift Glass. Uh-huh. Uh, somebody stole the take on Sunday. Oh. 
Wasn't me. And it wasn't through electronic donations, and it wasn't through book sa- store sales. No, it wasn't a um, computer hacking thing that someone stole. So, someone actually stole the money that was collected in the plates. Wow. Yeah. And they got over half a million dollars. Wow. From one day's take. That's pretty much what we, we pull in. <laughs> Uh-huh. At the podcast? No, 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 no. Oh. <laughs> at, at, at the church. No, at, at we our don't. church. About, no, we don't. About half a million a week, give or take. No, we don't. <laughs> but it really uh, brought up a lot of people short that they because they had to report what's missing. You know, oh, about half a million dollars. What? What? So, uh, yeah. So I, I didn't want to bring that up. But uh, Bible bitch doesn't have to do with the rich today. It has to do with. The Christian right believing they're better than everybody else uh-huh. and what Jesus has to say about that. And this is from Luke 12, and it's from The Message, which is a modern translation that I use all the time on this podcast. Luke 12, and then I have something from Romans, but let's start with Luke 12. By this time, the crowd, unwieldy and stepping on each other's toes, numbered into the thousands. I guess that's like the American spring <laughs> in yeah. Washington, D.C. <laughs> well, th- this is how we used to miscount. Tea Party rallies. Yeah. There were over 1.2 million people, million people the <laughs> No, there weren't. No. No. I swear, there were a thousand. It was a miracle. There were over 20,000 people at that uh, at that Ramada Inn. No, I think oh. there were 45 and 17 of them were reporters. Oh. So, yeah. Uh, all right. They're stepping on each other's toes, numbered into the thousands. But Jesus's primary concern was his disciples. He said to them, watch yourselves carefully so you don't get contaminated with Pharisee yeast, Pharisee phoniness. You can't hide behind a religious mask forever. Sooner or later, the mask will slip and your true face will be known. You can't whisper one thing in private and preach the opposite in public. The day is coming when those whispers will be repeated all over town. I'm speaking to you as dear friends. Don't be bluffed into silence or insincerity by the threats of religious bullies. True, they can kill you, but then what can they do? There's nothing they can do to your soul, your core being. Save your fear for God who holds your entire life, body, and soul in his hands. What's the price of two or three pet canaries? Some loose change, right? But God never overlooks a single one, and he pays even greater attention to you. Down to the last detail even numbering the hairs on your head. So don't be intimidated by all this bully talk. You're worth more than a million canaries. Yeah. And then Paul, uh, and maybe this is written by Paul and maybe it isn't. We we sometimes have problems with Paul because he's kind of a homophobe. sexist. Yeah. Sexist homophobe and, you know. Yeah. Uh, but he had, he had lots of problems. He had some, he had many issues. But this this passage from Romans I liked. Israel, who seemed so interested in reading and talking about what God was doing, missed it. How could they miss it? Because instead of trusting God, they took over. They were absorbed in what they themselves were doing. They were so absorbed in their God projects that they didn't notice God right in front of them, like a huge rock in the middle of the road. And so they stumbled into him and went sprawling. Isaiah gives us the metaphor for pulling this together. Careful, I put a stone on the road to Mount Zion, a stone you can't get around. But the stone is me. If you're looking for me, you'll find me on the way, not in the way. I thought about the National Organization for Marriage, which is having a hard week. (laughs) 
The whole tour. Uh-huh. They, they are they are not being given uh, in Oregon. They were not given um, status to even appear in court, mm-hmm. as if gay marriage had anything to do with them. And they wanted to come and and you know argue against gay marriage in Oregon. And the judge says, "Well, who are you? You don't. How are you affected by this?" And well, we're affected because our Christianity is at risk, and blah blah blah. And no, it's judge, not. The judge went, no. No, no. <laughs> Your fragile fake Christianity. Yeah, is, is, exactly. is it it's a God project. Right. It's it's like Roman says, it's a God project right. rather than following Christ, yeah. and it doesn't add up to anything. And and for so, our many atheist listeners, yeah, not the ones who think all religion is bunkum. <laughs> And you know, all all religion is awful until you get rid of all religion. There's there's this is again, there's no differentiation between anyone who believes anything other than pure atheism. <laughs> um, if you're wondering why pe- some people think atheists are assholes, look in the mirror. <laughs> but having said that, um, you don't have to believe any of this. No. Um, at all. This is not an, an attempt to evangelize to anyone. It is an attempt Ew. to point out to our many Christian listeners that. There's this stuff in the Bible that says you shouldn't put up with this bullshit from right. these bullies. Right. That you have a, an obligation to push back against them. To say, no, no, you've got it all wrong. You fucked this up. You've got it wrong. Your job is to seek justice and help the poor. That's pretty much it. That's it. All this other shit is nonsense. It's a complete fabrication of your paranoia and fear. And you put you put a, a God mask on it. Mm-hmm. To, and, and then you worship it, which is idolatry, which is just as bad. But or it, you hold up the Bible as if it's not only the Word of God, but your seventh grade science textbook. Right. Which is and you nonsense. cheapen your religion when you do that. Which is nonsense. Yeah. So atheists already know this. They know not <laughs> yes, to listen they to. Do. They know to listen to the 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 atheists. I I know and respect a great deal are the ones who filter out all of the you know, like like Jefferson. They filter out all the miracles in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And they go for the moral lessons. What are you supposed to do as a human being in this world? You're supposed to seek justice. You're supposed to help the weak, and you're supposed to feed the poor, feed the poor and hungry. Look after the people who are weaker than you. That's pretty much it. Yep. And it's almost like there's a rule that could be considered golden. In there. <laughs> like and, love your neighbor as yourself, too. Yeah. yeah. And everything else is sort of apocrypha and commentary. Yeah. I'm stealing that yeah. from a, a, a scholar, I'm sure. But atheists who sort of get the idea that you want to live in a, in a humane world mm-hmm. already get this. But it is you are called to and obliged to push back against people who want to use the symbols of your religion, the book of your religion, uh, to defeat the purpose of your religion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and quietly grimacing is not enough. No. And, and I do think that those uh, people who are in families with that conservative uncle or yeah. whatever or, or confront are – presented with an opportunity to confront some of these beliefs uh-huh. can can simply say, well, you know, my religion teaches me that I, I have an obligation to love the poor and those that are in need, period. Mm-hmm. And that's what John Fugel saying so good at. Yeah, he's very good at that. You know, having having that Jesuit father <laughs> and I think none, none for a mother. None for a mom. He's yeah. armed for bear, man. He he's a, he really does he can out and this is I swear to you, this is why they hated Bill Clinton so much. Yep. Bill Clinton knew his fucking scripture backwards and forwards. He could quote scripture all day long. He was he was able to outthink the religious right when it came to matters of justice. And he he was sort of like, no, 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 you got it wrong. And that's one of the many, 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 many reasons why uh, they hated him. Um, it's it is incompatible with their belief system that you would say, 
I'm a liberal. The Bill Clinton was certainly not a liberal, but I'm a liberal. I believe in these important things. I believe in taxing people. I believe in government helping people who need help. And I'm a Christian. And these things, and I'm a taxpayer, and I'm a parent, and I'm a homeowner, and I'm, a, I'm an employer, or I'm an employee. None of these things are incompatible with each other. Yeah. And the idea that you present this whole picture of a person who has all these pieces who are very similar in a lot of respects to people who call you a traitor and a liar, et cetera, say, no, 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 you've got it wrong. You've got it all wrong. You don't understand this at all. That's the problem. You have been listening to liars and Pharisees for so long, you have no idea what you're talking about anymore. You're talking about phantoms and caricatures that have nothing to do with liberals like us in the real world. And and sometimes it it is appropriate for you to get on your soapbox and say all of that. Yeah. And sometimes... It's appropriate to say my faith teaches me to care for the poor yeah. without judgment yeah. and walk away. Pick your and fights. There you go. I want to do a shout out to to Sister Rosemary. Ah. I want to get the I want to get the name right. Nyerumbi, who is a humanitarian activist, who's on the Colbert that report this week, and she is everything a nun should be. Yeah. And. Uh, Colbert tried to play his shtick of how can I not care about the girls in Nigeria and, and all of the girls who've been kidnapped because of their, their pursuit of an education. I don't want to I don't want to care because it makes me feel bad. Uh, so how, how can I just not care about them? Can I just not care about it? And she said, you have to care about humanity or I will punch you. <laughs> yeah. OK. What if I can I punch you back? No. no. <laughs> he asked her, can I punch you back? No. Huh? Oh, and that the the divine sisterhood of Sister Rosemary, she understands where her power comes from. Yes, she does, and she completely gets it. And so, I mean, I don't I don't suggest that at the Thanksgiving table you say you must care about humanity or I will punch you. No. But but work to get to the point of moral superiority, where you can say caring for humanity is what I'm about. Right. And if you're not about that, I can't pass judgment on you. You do, you do what you feel is best. But for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. There you go. And and you can, when you've lined up your um, theological, philosophical, ideological punch, mm -hmm. when you've sort of put your entire body into it, mm -hmm. when you've gone all Bruce Lee on it, um, you, can, you can knock down a wall. Because you can really say, I'm about helping humanity helping people who are in need of help. I'm a, my, my fellow members of my species. Why aren't you for that? Yeah. It's a very hard message. And then you get to talk about taxes and loafing and mooching and stuff, but don't go there. Don't follow them down the rabbit hole. I am for helping people who are poorer and weaker and desperately need of my help. And I, and I'm, I will help them any way I can. And I will advocate for policies that will help them any way I can. Why aren't you? That's sort of old Paul Wellstone approach. Of course, yeah. my parents are teachers. They were great people. What the hell do you have a pro you have a problem with teachers? What mm -hmm. what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. This is if you think that poor people are poor because they are morally deficient. There's something wrong with you, and so constantly as as much as you can, throw the question back at them. What the hell is wrong with you? What's broken in your soul that you want to beat up poor people? That you want to beat up weak people and old people? That makes you feel better about yourself? What's wrong with you? That's the question. That's the conversation to be having. That is the grounds on which to have any conversation. And the minute you stray off into anything else, you're fighting on their ground and you're going to lose. Why don't we move on to Al Franken? Yeah. We want to do a shout out. Uh, there's a lot of books coming out. Hillary Clinton's book is coming out. And uh, Elizabeth Warren's book is out. And in August. 
And in August, yes, we have a, our friend's book is coming out on Reagan. You want to talk about that? Yeah, well, just a little bit. Rick it's Perlstein. Rick Perlstein. Yep. Um, Rick Perlstein is uh, the Invisible Bridge. Uh, is the title is one of the titles of it. I'm, I'm desperately looking for the rest of the title, but it's uh, it's and he did Nixonland. I mean, Rick Perlstein, friend of the podcast, has uh, did Nixonland, which is a, the awesome definitive history, as far as I'm concerned, of, of Richard Nixon. Um, and he's doing the same thing from Reagan to Reagan. And I think it takes it from basically where Nixonland leaves off more or less up to 1976, mm-hmm. which is where Reagan really came to be. Oh, and the the bridge is yeah. The idea is that the invisible Nixon Nixon destroyed the Republican Party. This this is the point. Nixon destroyed the Republican brand, uh-huh. and Reagan brought it back. Uh-huh. Bush destroyed the Republican brand. And now there's going to be an effort to do exactly what Reagan did. And we have to learn from history on this, that the Republican brand is irrevocably damaged by crooked politicians. Uh, I also want to give a shout out to a friend of mine named Phyllis. Yes. um, And uh, who got a shout out. Phyllis is a friend of mine. I have studied under her and worked with her back in Chicago. She's a wonderful fantasy writer, Phyllis Eisenstein. And... Uh, she got a shout out from George R. R. Martin on the Conan show. Good for her. Uh, because uh, jo- uh, uh, Conan said, you know, I heard I heard you weren't going to put dragons in your book, which yep. would kind of suck. And he said, yeah, I really struggled with that. I had to debate over it. But this friend of mine, who's a very good fantasy writer, told me I had to do it. And in fact, I think one of one of the early books is dedicated to her, which is awesome. So uh, she got a, she got what writers really want. Um, in addition to getting a regular paycheck, which is always nice, she got acknowledgement of her contribution on the air from the guy, the the king of the uh, fantasy science fiction world at the moment, which is awfully nice. Now, I, I got to say, full confession, I gave Rick Perlstein the same advice. I told him, you know, you're doing a book on Reagan. You really need to put dragons. Dragons on every page, I told Rick. But Rick did not listen to me. <laughs> we are the better for it. So, Good for her. Good yeah. for her getting a shout out. Now, uh you want to talk about Al Franken. A little bit. We, yeah. and, and we did want to say with all these liberal books coming out and all these Democratic books coming out, uh, we highly recommend, as we have many times, uh-huh. that people read or listen to The Truth with Jokes. Yeah. This is Al Franken's book from 2005, and it is a policy yes. book. It's a funny it's policy book. funny policy book. It's a readable policy book. But it will give you ammunition mm-hmm. with which to argue points about Social Security and Medicare, uh, the budget, the budget deficit, uh, long-term projections for Social Security, those kind of things. Very helpful, helpful book. And uh, the audiobook is read by Al Franken, so you yeah. know it's fun. And, and um, it's it's full of um, what Rick's book, I'm sure, will have in it, which a lot of. Um, of your Rush Limbaugh books don't have, which is uh, research. <laughs> um, he goes back to look at all of the uh, the hard, for example, the really hard push on privatizing Social Security. That mm-hmm. the number one thing that that Bush never mentioned, virtually never mentioned, during 2004, during the re-election, during his re-election campaign, was um, his his campaign is his political capital that he got from winning. He w- wanted to spend immediately on privatizing Social Security and and really talking smack about the system, how it was broke, how it was just a bunch of uh, file cabinets full of IOUs. Those IOUs were U.S. bonds, which actually made him, uh, put him in violation of the U.S. Constitution, and he should have been impeached for that, among many other reasons. But um, but there was this whole big push. You might have remember, he, he was going around the country really pushing hard at, this is a great idea, we should definitely have this, we should definitely do this. Um, but they, Al Franken's team, or whoever it was he was working with, 
went back and looked at the quotes they were using for some of this hard sell. And it was these really selected snippets out of long statements about, but don't fucking touch Social Security. Yeah. But don't you dare touch Social Security. It was these little inverted meaning snippets taken way the hell out of context mm-hmm. from actual quotes from people that were, and all the quotes that they were using would take when you read in their, their full context were completely against everything Bush was trying to do. And that's mm-hmm. the degree to which they were just willing to lie about it. Yeah. But there's yeah. this popular support for this. And it's full of cool stuff like that. Really good, fun, interesting. And hearing, hearing him talk about his wife, Annie. Yep. Franny. 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 Like, why would I, why would I forget that? <laughs> Franny. Um, and her and social security. Yeah, uh, is just awesome. Well, like Paul Ryan, Social Security kept her family going when her father died. Uh-huh. So <laughs> she's very passionate about not touching Social Security. But uh, but the good good senator has an ad out, um, which I wanted to highlight just for a second, which talks about manufacturing. And it says all of the good things about manufacturing that I have brought up on this podcast before and I've mentioned before in my blog here and there, mm-hmm. and, which is to say um, – this country still does have a manufacturing base, and there are thousands and thousands in the aggregate millions of manufacturing jobs that go unfilled every year that people need – You know that they're out there. There are decent jobs that could be um, filled with people who don't have a four- or eight-year degree. And Al Franken's entire push is, look, we have um, this crying need to fill these good jobs. We have a lot of people who are unemployed – how come we're not moving the unemployed into these jobs? And, and he really makes the case that we need training, mm-hmm. we need certification, we need all these things. But there, it's a and, really. And did you mention that this is his uh, inaugural ad for his reelection yeah. campaign? Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's he, right out of the box. It's look, here's a problem: a lot of unemployed people, the, the economy is still screwed up. Here's a way to fix that problem. And I, I know for a fact that the, that Hennepin University, Hennepin College, rather in Minnesota. Uh, had at least back when the economy wasn't sort of as as buckled under as it is now, had a wonderful manufacturing training program where employers, imagine this, employers would line up to court graduates, not the other way around. Employers weren't getting 50 resumes and, well, maybe maybe we'll give you a call back. They were coming to school lining up to court the people who graduated from the program because they were so well qualified and they were so ready to come right in and work on their million-dollar machines without screwing anything up. That is... Uh, such a wonderful idea, such a wonderful program. And the factories of the 70s and 60s and 50s, they're largely gone. The jobs that are cheap labor jobs, those are largely gone. So what we're mostly talking about are high-end, quiet, relatively clean, middle-class, white-collar jobs that require 16 weeks of training, 32 weeks of training, maybe a year. Maybe you come back and just upgrade your skills as you go along. But it's a it, it is a it is an actual problem that can actually be solved and redound to the benefit of people who need help. It's a real thing. It's a real practical. Okay, well, here we go. And you can get very very um, small c conservative factory owners and very very liberal union leaders to agree on this sort of thing because the, the guys don't want their factories to go out of business and good union bosses don't want their people to lose their jobs. Right. And I'm not saying there aren't people of bad faith in every camp because there are, but this is one of those places where you can actually find some common ground between people of goodwill on the ground who are willing to put aside whatever differences they might have Monday through Thursday and on a Friday, sit down to save a factory and save some jobs. And maybe once you get a bunch of people trained up 
and are working on machines and innovating and doing new things and building new things, you start kicking into that, the thing that happened in the 50s and the 60s. Mm-hmm. You have lots of well-trained people out there working on 3D printers or working on CNC machines or doing things, and they are innovating. And then you start seeing industries grow out of secondary and tertiary industries growing out of that initial investment. So I'm not saying it will solve every problem. I'm not saying that it will fix, you know, dry every tear. And part of what makes it bittersweet for me is that I used to do that sort of thing. Right. That's, you know, that I could have made that ad for Al Franken several years ago. Um, And then the recession came. And I found out that uh, being competent and loyal and hardworking and occasionally brilliant and really insightful and knowing my shit and being really good at my job and working 100 plus hours a week didn't really matter. Uh, I didn't have the connections to keep my job. I didn't have clout to keep that job. And I watched projects like Al Franken's talking about in his commercial burn yeah. because I wasn't there to run them. Mm-hmm. And I went to those people and I said, look, just bring me back as a consultant. You believe in this project. I believe in this stuff. I can fix this. I can make this work. I can make this work and you won't have wasted thousands or millions of dollars. I can make it work so the idea behind this project won't get forever um, tarnished. Because you fucked it up because you don't have the expertise to run it. All you have to do is pay me a fair wage. I'll come back and save you. And they wouldn't do it. They just wouldn't do it. And that's what makes it a little bit heartbreaking because I know this stuff can work. I've seen it work. I've made it work. And I'm now looking back six years now, five, six years Mm -hmm. now uh, in the rearview mirror going, that could have been me. Yeah. Um, And it's a shame that it's not. And it, it's I'm a little verklempt now because it, 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 it <laughs> just class. I know well it just it it a it you know I now make oh twenty percent of what I was making then mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but that's not the real important thing the real important thing is all the this, people that you could have helped the thousands make of, it thousands of people I could have gotten jobs for the yeah. thousands of people I could have helped. And the people that you could have helped keep their factories open yeah. or keep their factories with trained employees and we ripped out. In, in a panic, really, in 2008, uh-huh. ripped the guts out of state and local governments. We did. Just ripped it out. Mm-hmm. And all the people that those... In the name of austerity. And all the people that those people fund. This is way... This is not so far... This is not climate change. It's so well, and it, it wasn't as if the woman, the factory owner that is in Al Franken's ad, if you go and watch it... Right. It's not as if she's a hippie. No. <laughs> no. Or, but, or a do-gooder, even. She but these are, wants trained people for her factory. Exactly. And if you have a small factory... If you have a, especially, you know, a privately held small company, let's say 40, 50 people, yeah. 30 people, and you've invested in some 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 kick-ass equipment, the one thing you don't have is a training room with a replica of your equipment in that room so you can train people so they won't mess up your machine. So that means what do you need? You need community colleges. You need a place where a bunch of factory owners can go and get their people trained by cohort. Mm-hmm. And so you end up... Um, affecting the high schools in your area. You end up affecting the colleges in your area. You end up driving up the tax base in your area. You end up telling people who's, who, whose parents might have been out of work for a generation mm-hmm. that there is hope for you. There are jobs ready for you that, that they're going to pay for a family and they're going to put a roof over your head and there's a future for you. And all of that is doable. I'm not, again, I'm not saying it's going to solve every problem. I'm saying in my little corner of the universe... I know this works. Yep. And it it kills me that I was <laughs> I was taken off of that horse 
and mm-hmm. the horse was shot for no fucking better reason other than some clown with clout needed the job more than I did. Yep, and the and the financial panic that led to austerity in yep. state and local governments, which was silly. I mean, just silly. Uh the horse that you've been put on is raising three children. And, that's and a, it's, a, it's, a, it's the best horse I've ever ridden. Junior Dude brought home his yearbook, uh-huh. and inside it was uh, a picture of kids going off to the community college yes. to learn uh, how to run a restaurant and how to uh, hold down a secretarial position and how to do X, Y, and Z because they know they're going straight into the workplace after high school. And so they are bused by the school district to the community college half a day, um, every day, uh-huh. to learn a skill, yeah. which is how it used to be when we went to high school. Votech was there to teach kids a skill that right. they could use and get into the workplace. We need more of that, not and, less. And it doesn't work the way it used to. It can't work the way you. First of all, you don't have you don't have unskilled labor. Um, that you can force, that you can exploit, like women and minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, you just can't tell women you 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 have no choice but being a teacher yeah right you can't tell, or secretary or nurse that's it yeah exactly you can't tell a brilliant african-american man that you get to work on the railroad or the post office or the steel mill mm-hmm. but everything else is closed to you so the the forced cheap labor we had that we built a lot of our economy on that's gone you can't learn how to work a lathe and walk into a job you can't walk down to the ford plant and get hired by the dozen but the alternative is not that there's nothing left the alternative is that that has changed, and it's changed to the point where you need a technology background. You have to know how to read blueprints. You have to know, know how to work in a team. You have to know metrology. You have to know how to calibrate instruments. You have to know how to read code. You have to know how to work as a co- as a group. As I've used the word cohort before. You have to know how you have to know how to innovate, do short runs of things, all of which none of which requires you to learn uh, take a four year degree. No, it's it's doable at a post high school high school and post high school level. It's still there. And again, it won't solve all the problems of the economy. But let me point let me point out one more fact, and I'll get off my high horse. Every job you create in manufacturing generates somewhere between three and four jobs in the rest of the economy. Mm-hmm. There's almost no other piece of the economy, no other sector that has that kind of multiplication going on in it. Mm-hmm. So every time you invest in this sector, you 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 double or triple your investment over the course of time. So anyway, I, I, I want to just bring it back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, which is racism and white supremacy. Yep. Because as opportunities open for more and more different kinds of people to get into different kinds of programs and learn different kind of jobs, those programs are then labeled as being for those people right. by the white supremacists. Uh-huh. And therefore, they are available to be cut because it's a handout. And getting an education and being an educated member, an educated, employed member of society uh-huh. is not a handout. No. And uh, the, the idea that it used to be factory work was for those people. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is no longer true. Yep. There's a, there's, a, there's a terrible, haunting overhang from the days when you shunted um, minorities and problem kids into, into factory work. But that, those days are simply not there anymore. Working in a factory is, is radically different than when your father worked there or your grandfather worked there. And that and part of the issue is getting parents uh, and guardians to understand that when you suggest that maybe Johnny or Susie would be best uh, suited learning this skill set, you're not insulting them. You're trying to find a future for them. You're trying to work with them to find a really good future for their son or daughter. And when you approach people like that, I'm trying to help you give your child a good future. Um, you'll find them much more receptive than saying, I want to stick your kid in a factory. Yep. 
Each week we post to our Facebook page and website an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Bella. Bella is under her blanket, so don't bother her. You can send your Internet Kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. Feel free to write us. We love hearing from you. And we need more Internet Kitties, by the way. Be aware that if you write us at any of our addresses, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service. Go Postal Unions! Letter on the air, unless you say otherwise. Can I just add one more thing, Driftglass? Of course, Blue Gal. Middle Child is spending the day tomorrow with her friends at the Gay Pride Parade. Yes. So. And then, then possibly, yeah. going to the um, um, Celtic. Day. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's going to go The Highland. The Highland Games. <laughs> going from... The, the Pride Parade to the Highland Games and doesn't understand why that's not a perfectly normal day. <laughs> and youngest child uh-huh. is going to spend the morning cooking for the American Cancer Society. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a lot going on here uh-huh. and our children are involved and that's yeah. a great thing. Yeah, and we are very grateful that they are, um, that they have found ways to turn their hand to doing good for people. Yep. And, and when, you, when you send this podcast five bucks, generally it's going to go into the ah. gas, gas tank to get a kid from one good deed to another. So yes. thank you for that. We deeply appreciate really these $5 do. contributions and more as you give them. Thank you. Hey, Drift Glass, how are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Gal, the Internet Kitties still haven't recovered from the Mitch McConnell shriveled dick ad they saw on the John Oliver show last week. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, lovey dovey. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying, and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license, copyright 2014, Drift Glass Blue Gal Podcast. Minecraft is awesome. Now it's time for Science Fiction University with our science fiction expert, Jeff Glass. Thank you, Dogface Terman, for sending us some more Science Fiction University. We also got uh, not a Science Fiction University from our friend at Magnolia ePublishing. Yeah. I, I think we might put that up as a YouTube or on um, our Facebook page. I'm still working out what to do with that. It is uh, the one from Magnolia ePublishing isn't science fiction. It is themes and clips from liberal radio and TV shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's kind of interesting, but uh, it's not a science fiction one. So we're, we're going to do something with that and make sure our audience gets to hear it. It's kind of fun. In the meantime, Dogface Herman has sent us clips from, excuse me, not clips from the movies. These are from the trailers to the movies. Oh. Every one of these eight recordings is a movie that was released in the 1970s. Wow. Dogface Herman says, I always thought the 70s was a good decade for movies, so name these movies. Mm-hmm. All right. No now, Devil's Reign. <laughs> no Devil's Reign. <laughs> the shame. Why? Because watching Ernest Borgnine's face melt. Oh, it's pretty cool. And, and William Shatner get, you know, shoved around is a treat. I think Shatner's in that. Shatner. All right. Yeah. Well, here we go. Number right. one. Here is the first movie trailer. Up ahead, a hero is waiting. A crack interceptor for the main force patrol. His power is a badge of bronze. His only weapon... 600 horses of fuel-injected machinery. 
All right, that was an export from Australia called Mad Max. Very good. The original Mad Max, before we found out, Mel Gibson's just stone crazy. <laughs> yes. and, and a very good movie. Well, Mad Max, wasn't Mel Gibson in the original Mad Max? He was, yeah. Yeah, and you couldn't understand him. They had to dub his voice in. I think Because he hadn't right. learned to speak non-Australian English yet. Yes. All right, number two. From deep space, the seed is planted. Terror grows. Matthew! 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 Wake the others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Uh, that, oh, that would be the remake, in my opinion, the inferior remake, of The Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the one with Donald Sutherland. Was Leonard Nimoy in that one also? He was. Yeah. He was. I believe he was rocking a turtleneck and perhaps yeah. even a medallion because yeah. it was the 70s. It was the 70s, and he was supposed to be an intellectual. That's right. I think, okay. he, was, I think he was the shrink, but the Kevin McCarthy version is the definitive invasion of the body snatchers. So there you go. Yep. Number three. The ultimate resort. Let me do it this time. Where nothing, nothing can possibly go wrong. I'm shot. Go wrong. Raw. Go wrong. Oh, my God. Shut down. Shut down immediately. Oh, Westworld. Got it. Right away. Very good. Yeah, that's 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 a classic. And that was thanks to Yul Brenner's part in The Magnificent Seven. That's how he got pulled into this movie. And it was the shocking ending that yeah. just made everyone... <gasps> oh. oh. All right. Number four. Do you know this one? Of all history's prophets, none has a greater degree of credibility than H.G. Wells. With his predictions of moon landings, ray guns sonic signaling devices. Is Wells right again in his prediction of dangers to come? In this fantastic tale, Wells tells the chilling story of a colony of ants who feed on atomic waste. Oh, uh, honestly, between 1952 and 1980, all the giant insect movies <laughs> run together in my head. This is a giant insect or an insect invasion movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I, but I have no idea which one it is. This one is from 1977. It's The Empire of the Ants. Oh. Donna. I, right. you know, I, I think Shatner was in something called The Empire of the Spiders, too. Oh, okay. So a lot of empire, a lot of insects, a lot of... A lot of Shatner. That's what I, you're saying. Shatner had work. You can't have too much Shatner. Uh-huh. Number five. Speaks to you, his chosen ones. The gun is good. Gun is good. Go forth and kill. Oh, I haven't a clue. Well, and Dog Base Terman's clue is Rotten Tomatoes gives this a 44% rating. Yeah. <laughs> and he thinks he wants to know if it's weird that he actually likes this movie. Uh, no. Uh, it. This is Zardo's. Which uh -huh. sounds like a sleep medication for children, but... I don't know that Sean Connery isn't in this movie. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, from, I don't either. It's from 1974. Yeah. All right. Number six. In ancient legend, Medusa was one of the three Gorgon monsters created to do battle with the gods. Anyone looking into the eyes of Medusa was instantly turned to stone. I have a gift for disaster. You seem to have survived it. Oh, having a clue. Okay, it's called the Medusa Touch. You heard about Medusa quite a bit yeah. in this clip. Yeah. Um, 1978. I thought, be, I thought that would be too much of a, you know, giveaway. Yeah, you would think so. It's but... called the thing we just said plus yeah. touch at the end. That's <laughs> no, cheating. That can't be right. All right. 
Let's see if you know this one. Number seven. It seemed like a good idea at the time. The white bigot was dying, and the black soul brother needed time to prove his innocence. More power to you, brother. Oh, I do know this one. Oh. Oh, I love this movie. This is the the thing, either the thing or the man with two heads. It's the thing with two heads. Okay. Yeah. Ray Milan and Rosie Greer, and oh my God. And it was just Rosie Greer sitting behind Ray Milan with his chin on his shoulder. The, going, yeah, Ray Milan ah. and has his, his head right behind Rosie Greer, and they're Rosie sharing Greer. a suit. I, I always like my God. I, I always had a special fondness for Rosie Greer because my dad liked him. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, Rosie Greer's strategy was grab a bunch of guys when you're tackling them and just sort through them until you find the one with a ball. Wow. But he was a knitter. Ah, that's right. He was a knitter. Trivia for the Yeah, for the knitting people. Yeah. Oh no. Raymond Land was in a bunch of weird movies like this. There was the man with the X-ray eyes. I think that was him too. And that was an awesome movie. Because his X-ray vision keeps getting better and better, so he st- he starts seeing through skin, then through bone, then through people, then through planets, and eventually it becomes he becomes as one with the whatever, whatever. But yeah, it's it's there were a lot of lovely, awful movies from that period. <laughs> yeah, Roger Ebert uh, says that this film leads us to a philosophical point: Is it better to be alive with Ray Milan's head plugged into your neck, or to be dead? An excellent question. <laughs> The Thing with Two Heads is on a double bill with another horror movie, Barren Blood. And the best thing I can say about Barren Blood is it isn't as awful as The Thing with Two Heads. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I think there was a chase scene in The Thing with Two Heads and how they got them in the front seat. Of yeah, the in the mo- on the motorcycle. Yeah. Oh, that's a motorcycle. That was motorcycle. It's in the It's in the uh, movie poster. Yeah. They transplanted a white bigot's head onto a soul brother's body. Okay. That's right, my man. All right. And that could be remade today. It could. Donald Sterling. Magic Johnson. <laughs> You're going to Photoshop that this afternoon. I know you are. The All return right. of the thing with two heads. Thing with two heads. All right. We've learned nothing. We've learned nothing. All right. Uh, number eight. In the not-too-distant future, wars will no longer exist. But there will be. Imagine a world without nations. A few of us making decisions on a global basis. Controlled by corporations. Sickness, no needs, and many luxuries. A society that has abolished love and hate, aggression, and individuality. Oh, uh, that's John Houseman. I know that. Yeah. But I don't have a. I mean, there were there were a lot of dystopian, lawless future movies. We're gonna have to do something extreme to bring order back to civilization. Well, this one's actually one that you you might have seen at one time. It's Rollerball. Oh, okay, okay. 1975. James Caan. Yeah. Rollerball was Rollerball James Caan. Yeah, yeah. So that ends science fiction. Yeah, that was wonderful. For this week. Thank you for the contribution. We've had a couple of, fee- of feedbacks from people about Science Fiction University, and one person said that uh, no, they they like the political show with a little bit of science fiction at the end. Another person wrote and said that they listen to the whole podcast, but sometimes they skip ahead and listen to Science Fiction University first uh-huh. and then go back and listen to the whole show. And they would like a Science Fiction University spinoff. And my feeling is that that might happen in seven or eight years, but uh-huh. it's not going to happen while there's three school-age kids in the house. It might happen in space. The space-time continuum in this house is very focused on getting three children to school every day with everything they need. So I'm very focused on getting three children to become model 
young adults. Yeah. And all of that that entails. Yep. Which is a very glorious job. It is, but it's time consuming. I, you know, I worked in IT for years. I rolled out of bed at two in the morning talking. Yeah. Because yeah. the phone call from the place, and I, I would wake up in the middle of the phone call. This is more exhausting than that. Yeah. So, but it's much more rewarding. Much more rewarding. Yes. All right. So thank you very much, Dog Faced Herman. And so much. Yeah. Everybody have a great week. We love you. Bye. Bye.